freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 144 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme is the blame game and i didn't do it cheryl (laughs) is that right uh we will we will discuss that later but yeah the blame game games can be a lot of fun and our family enjoys playing board games together they are fun ways to compete and strategize and they take us on an enjoyable journey that has a winner at the end winning is good And even not winning can be good and can help us to improve our skills along the way. But that takes focus and attention. Over the holidays, our family did spend a lot of time together playing old familiar board games like Scrabble and Monopoly, as well as new, more complex games like Catan and the Star Wars version of Risk. We also watched some games being played out on the national stage. Games that involved politics and our constitutional rights. And of course, we saw a lot of the blame game. What strikes me about the blame game is that there are no winners, ever. There are only losers. And I use the word loser very purposefully because no one is ever learning or growing or becoming more skillful by engaging in the blame game. Each participant is merely spitting mindless words at the other participants dripping with anger and indignation. Oh, they are delivered with passionate vocal tones, but these words so many words are pointless and without any true purpose other than to sound like we care so deeply about the topic. Take, for example, a recent roll of the gun control dice called the bump stock ban. With fingers pointing in every direction, this is the blame game incarnate. Most people had never even heard of a bump stock before the Las Vegas murders in October of 2017, but somehow we feel certain that these plastic gun accessories are to blame for them. Never mind that the murders have yet to be solved, and therefore we have no idea if a bump stock was actually used in the commission of these murders the moment that the world became aware of the murders, we simultaneously 
we're told that the bump stock was to blame. And if we can just make another law saying that these bump stock things are illegal, we can all feel like we are winning. So with the public outcry, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, they look into reclassifying bump stocks as something on which we can focus our fear and our hate. With the prodding and blessing voices all across the nation, the ATF does look into and does indeed redefine this piece of plastic accessory, this bump stock, as a machine gun. And only then did we stop and realize that's against the rules. They, they can't do that, can they? Make up definitions out of thin air? And now the fingers of blame point at the president, the Congress, and the NRA. Dumbfounded, we look at our game board with disbelief. How did the game get so lopsided? Why are we caught flat-footed and undefended? Why aren't we more prepared for this aggressive and offensive move against us? And what is our next play? In our frustration, some of us decide to refamiliarize ourselves with the rule book. In this case, that is the Constitution. As we read, we understand that our opponents are editing and changing and deleting the rule book right under our noses. And they can. Why? Because we haven't bothered to read it. They continue to make up any rule they want, and we are going to fall for their tricks and foolishly embrace their tyranny every time. Our forefathers knew this was going to happen because they had lived it in their time. They carefully wrote down the rules in our Constitution and our Bill of Rights because they knew the opponents of freedom would constantly be playing their hand toward tyranny. The rule book was supposed to help us be proactive in limiting the government's overreach and preventing presidents and congresspeople from having powers over our personal lives and possessions. The rules were meant to encourage and empower us, we, the people, to remember and retain all that was fought for, bled for, and starved for. So while we stand here and blame the president, the Congress, and the NRA, we forget that it was you and I who were supposed to protect our rights. And then if we want to have clubs and organizations like the NRA help us in that endeavor, great. But somehow too many of us think that we can cast a vote or pay a membership fee and simply walk away from our personal responsibilities. Well, this... This is what happens when you let the rights restrictors dictate the rules. We, you and I, have to individually stay informed and contact our elected officials directly and interact with them to let them know how they can best represent and serve us. Groups like the NRA can come alongside and help us, 
but we cannot abdicate our responsibilities. You and I must commit to writing, emailing, and calling our local, state, and federal elected officials personally to respectfully let them know our wishes before a vote is taken and before an action becomes a regulation or a law. So moving forward, our strategy should include being part of the membership groups who stand with us on specific issues like the NRA, the GOA, and others. This will bolster, not replace, our individual voices, but we must include our children and our children's children in reading our history and making our nation's heritage part of each family's legacy. And once we do, we will begin to truly win and we will avoid being the next losing contestant on the blame game. Dan? I said I didn't do it. (laughs) Well, and that's part of the problem, right? You didn't do it. I guess. No, but I did do that. I I know you did. That is true. You did contact your your legislators. You did reach out. You did interact with them personally and respectfully. And we're doing this because we want to get the message out. But uh, doesn't the world just seem like a safer place now that bump stocks are going to be illegal? I mean... (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm I guess just if you understand what they are, what because they're used for, how seldom they're ever even <clears throat> used, uh, even for fun shooting. Um, that's exactly what those you would were desi- know, no, that, that's, that's what they were safer. designed for. Yeah. Fun shooting. They're, they're not accurate. Mm-hmm. They're not reliable. Mm-hmm. You have to practice to learn how to use them. It's kind of a fun, gimmicky that's thing. That's all it is. And it's it can be mimicked in so many ways that you don't have to have this accessory i mean that's usually what accessories are right they mimic something you could do otherwise there's guys that are on youtube to have a an app for that there's guys on youtube right now that can take a gun an ar-15 put it on a strap Mm -hmm. hold it over their shoulder Mm -hmm. and can shoot just as fast as with a bump stock with no modification to the gun okay so we you and i dan we understand guns we understand the bump stock all of that there's a lot of people that don't i'm i'm not mad at them that they don't I'd like them to get educated before they have super strong opinions and that sort of thing. But based on our knowledge, why why are we going after the bump stock? Why are we feeling like the world is safer? It's all it is. All it is is a, um, a, a, a a safe tool for them. They want to remove. They want to want us to give them something. The right restrictors it's a want us to give chip. them something. It's a bargaining chip, and they're just chipping away. But. We have to be careful of that because they just keep going and keep going. The bump stock has no purpose. It's just a fun toy. That's all it is. They're not accurate. Again, as I said, they're just a toy. It, it doesn't mean anything. They're not a machine gun. It has nothing with the definition of a machine gun at all, but we better get our guests lined up here mm-hmm. for today. We've got our first hour, Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey, who represents Kentucky's 4th Congressional District and is a chair of the just relaunched Second Amendment Caucus in the United States Congress with the goal of helping to inform congressmen and women by bringing them together with experts on Second Amendment issues. Mm-hmm. We have Andrew Pollack. Andrew and his family, lives are forever changed when Andrew's beautiful 18-year-old daughter, Meadow Pollack, was murdered in the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas on February 14, 2018. 
Since that time, Andrew has been advocating for a national change in mindset when it comes to school security. His plea to fix it was heard around the world, initially at the White House town hall, and since that time in the news on radio and in print. Andrew is here to talk to us about the recent news concerning his mission to fix it. Our second hour, we have two guests together, Jana, Jenna Meek, once described as a cross between Rambo and Martha Stewart, is an author and firearms instructor specializing in self-defense. She'll be along with Mark McYoung, an author, an author, has authored over 25 books and videos about crime, violence, and personally safe, personal safety. In collaboration, Mark and Jenna have created safety concepts to bring effective personal safety information for everyone, their motto. When a conflict can't be avoided, safety concepts will arm you with the best information about what to do before, during, and after to make sure you go home with your loved ones. Ken Scott is the owner and founder of Provectus Group LLC, a multiple discipline defense firm specializing in consulting and training for law enforcement, military, corporate, and civilian entities. Ken's mission is to spread the good word so that others may stay alive and says that it is God's gift to him. So exciting. And we also will have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Maybe. <laughs> Stick around. It's going to be an awesome show. We're excited to be back. The year's 2019. The weather is beautiful. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms. I'm Rob. Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyle. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. 
Well, we are excited today to talk to our first guest of the new year. This is awesome. Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Congressman Massey represents Kentucky's 4th Congressional District and is the chair of the just relaunched Second Amendment Caucus in the United States Congress with the goal of helping to inform congressmen and women by bringing them together with experts on the Second Amendment issues. Imagine that actually reaching out to experts. Welcome to the show, Congressman Massey. Hey, how are you doing? I think I'm speaking with an expert when I speak with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. In certain things, I am, and my husband Dan's here as well, and he is definitely an expert in the tools of the trade. Yeah. Yes, yes Thomas, uh, be careful. You're giving her a real big head right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've met Cheryl here, here in D.C., and I know she knows what she's talking about. Well, I appreciate you remembering we're meeting with us um, when we come with the D.C. Project, 50 women, one from each state. Uh, you were so generous to spend a lot of time talking with us about what we can do to help our elected officials, which is something a lot of us don't even know, like actually reach out and talk to them. And then yes. allow them. phone calls, by the way. Those are the most helpful of anything. See, that's great information right there. And then we allow them to, to say, use us as a resource, you know, because so many of us are experts in our field. But I want to talk about this Second Amendment caucus. Now, I said we were relaunching it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does that mean? Why is it being relaunched? When was it launched before? And uh, really, what is it? What are your goals with it? Why does it exist? Well, um, at, at various points in history, there has been a Second Amendment caucus in Congress. Um, the uh, the last chairman before me was Paul Brown of Georgia, and when he left, the the caucus went dormant for two years, and uh, I had some difficulty trying to establish it, uh, and I, I was able to reestablish it last Congress. But at the end of every Congress, a Congress lasts two years, uh, um, and so at the end of every Congress, every bill expires, all the rules expire, all the, all the <laughs> congressmen in the House have to be re-sworn in, all the bills have to be resubmitted. You start out at H.R. 1 again, hmm. and um, all the caucuses have to be refiled. So um, it we haven't missed a day, really. The caucus was in place until uh, January 3rd at noon, and then I refiled it again on January 3rd. Now, the Democrats are changing the rules a little bit for caucuses in Congress, and so I have not been notified yet that um, I've been allowed to file the Second Amendment caucus, but I'm not worried yet. I, I assume that this will go through okay. It's so important that we we do uh, establish the Second Amendment caucus, particularly now, because Democrats have uh, announced that this is one of their major initiatives. Hmm. And, and even if they realized how politically poisonous this is to them to try and uh, ban guns or chip away at the Second Amendment, they are committed to doing it. They took the majority with the help of some uh, millionaires Mm-hmm. who are very interested in trying to disarm the American public, and they're going to have to follow through on those promises, uh, even if it costs them a majority. They're pretty bold. You know, in 1994, Republicans took the majority back, in part because of the so-called assault weapons ban and the Brady Bill that had passed. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans in one regard. They're pretty bold. Yeah. And when they're in the majority, they do things that, that have lasting effects. I wish we would do more. We had done more of that when we were in the majority. You know, I can't agree with you more about that. I, I was having a conversation with someone recently, and I said, you know, they're, they aren't afraid of the big ask, right? They, they just throw something really uh, kind of over the top out there. Like um, in the last Congress, we had this H.R. 5087, the assault weapons ban bill that made the old one under Clinton look like it had training wheels on it. Yeah, and right. And they, they are um, honing their tactics, mm-hmm. shall we say, and getting dialed in um, rather than just ban something based on its cosmetics, uh, which was the, largely what the 94 so-called assault weapons ban was. They are now uh, picking out features like uh, simply for having a detachable magazine. There's some the Democrats who would like to outlaw all semi-automatics. Mm-hmm. And I've even got a colleague from California. It's it's not good form for us to mention their names, sure. but if you do, I, I won't say anything. <laughs> but um, uh, I've got a Democrat from uh, colleague from California who's proposed a definition of assault weapon that encompasses what he estimates to be 12 million guns in the United States, and he wants to uh, confiscate them all. Now, he will call it a buyback, and, and he's willing to spend your tax dollars on this confiscation. But if you refuse to sell it back, they will take them by force. Yeah, and, uh, I, this I'm is sure you don't mean famously uh... just a few weeks ago on Twitter when somebody said you'll have a war if you do that. He said it'll be a short war because the government has nuclear weapons and they're <laughs> legitimate. Mm-hmm. It may uh, or may not have been uh, Representative Eric Swalwell. We'll it, we'll just leave that up to our yeah, listeners that up to, to, you. to decide <laughs> and to do their own research on that. And so, yeah, so this H.R. 5087, I'm happy to hear that, okay, so it's a new Congress, so it died. It just died right. on the vine. But the thing that is so frightening about it is that it would essentially uh, ban everything that is semi-automatic, not just rifles, long guns, not just even handguns, pistols, Mm -hmm. right? But even shotguns. And 176, I think, uh, Congress people or elected officials Mm -hmm. put their name to this bill. And when you say it's politically poisonous, I think it needs, I'm not sure it's politically poisonous. Why are they so eager and ready with zero, almost zero or possibly zero knowledge about what they're even trying to ban or what the ramifications would be of this. They just... Well, you're, you know, you're right. I, um, it's politically poisonous in the whole for their majority in a general election, but it's a political prerequisite hmm. for them in their primary elections in those heavily Democrat, uh, Democratic districts. Mm-hmm. So um, part of the reason they're, they're going so far left is because their their primary voters are driving them in that direction, and when they get a primary challenge, they they compete with each other to be the most anti-gun. Mm. If they've got an F rating from a gun organization, they will proudly claim that, much as a Republican might, you know, tout their A or A plus rating in an election. They would tout an F rating, and if you noticed, um, I think it was uh, Bernie Sanders that. Hillary Clinton attacked because he only had a D rating. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and and it, I'm sure it cost him some votes. 
<laughs> well, and it's hard because there are more and more, um, I think, individual people who ascribe to, you know, voting Democrat, um, who maybe are politically, socially liberal, right, that they're put in this quandary. Wait, do I go, do I vote my team and say yay team when we win like the House like we re- they mm-hmm. recently did? Or do they say, wait a minute, as I'm winning, quote unquote, I'm actually losing my mm-hmm. constitutional right, my God-given protection, the, the protection of my God-given rights in the Second Amendment. Like what, how are they even supposed to go into a voting booth? I don't, I don't uh, envy that position. Well, uh, fewer and fewer Democrats are voting for Democrats in Kentucky in federal elections. You know, mm. Kentucky is still a majority uh, registered Democrat state, yet uh, both of our senators are Republican and five of our six representatives in the House are Republican. And, it, and of course, Kentucky went heavily for President Trump. Um, that's because uh, the the Democrats who go in the the voting booths in Kentucky are are faced with the choice you just pointed out, mm-hmm. and they they're choosing their God given rights and their constitutionally protected rights over their party mm-hmm. um, in Kentucky. Now that's not the case everywhere, and and even within Kentucky, I am seeing a shift in the urban areas. Uh, they are becoming more blue, mm-hmm. and we are becoming more polarized. Mm-hmm. And I and I think you've got some real partisans who uh, just they sign up for the whole package, even if it includes uh, anti-gun measures in the Democrat platform. Now, Pelosi, she may be she may try to be measured on the floor. Let me let me. I want to. Um, sort of give some predictions and, and, and tell your listeners how Congress works on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two types of bills that pass in the House of Representatives. There are bills called must-pass legislation. They're nicknamed that. That would be like the, the omnibus bill that's going to fund all of government. The farm bill that's got to pass. The National Defense Authorization Act, that's a must-pass legislation. That's, that's actually rare legislation in the House. Most of what we vote on are what we uh, sort of cynically call here inside the Beltway pretend bills. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fond of them. But, okay, uh, that instills confidence, but go on. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we passed hundreds of bills mm. last Congress knowing they would go nowhere in the Senate. No, they would not be brought up in the Senate. And even, uh, and even if they did, the president probably wouldn't sign them. But they're... They euphemistically call them messaging bills. Okay, mm-hmm. well, all the must-pass legislation is going to be the same, but the pretend bills, the messaging bills, will be controlled by the Democrats. Every bill that comes to the floor will do so only with Nancy Pelosi's blessing. Hmm. So there will be um, some gun bills in there that won't pass the Senate and and won't be signed by the president. But here's where things get dangerous. Occasionally, they'll take one of those aspirational messaging bills out of that uh, hopper and attach it to one of those must-pass pieces of legislation mm-hmm. like an omnibus bill. Yep. And then, uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to give them any ideas, but, like, just imagine what if they a- attached a, a gun control bill to the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that just gives you 
sort of concept, but they would attach, they could attach some gun control measure that the Senate said, we'll never bring that up, and the president said, I'll never sign it. They put it in a spending bill or a farm bill or a national defense bill. Mm -hmm. Then what are you going to do if you're in the Senate? What are you going to do if you're the president? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the where the dangerous uh, uh, mixture of aspirational pretend messaging bills and must-pass yeah. legislation comes together. Yeah. And um, their donors know that. The Bloombergs, the Soroses, they know how the sausage is made, and, they'll, yeah. and they may push for some of that to happen here. Yeah. And that's, we've got to be on the floor yeah. debating against it, but Nancy Pelosi, again, she will control whether we get to offer amendments on the floor, mm -hmm. which is why I encourage your listeners, if when, when and if this legislation does come up, it will go through a committee called the Judiciary Committee. Mm -hmm. I'm not on that committee, but we've got some great people like um, Jim Jordan on that committee and Andy Biggs on that committee. They will have to work overtime to offer amendments and get votes on amendments. Now, the bills may still pass out of there, and they're, but if they could get an amendment on that bill that makes it less palatable to the left, then maybe they could keep that bill from passing. The senators have more leeway as well, so we've got to de depend on some pro-Second Amendment senators if the legislation comes up over there to offer amendments that will uh, hopefully kill these bills. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is well. Ahead, the president man. wants this wall built, and I, I I agree with him. But so, if they attach a gun control bill to that, would he deny it, or what would he do? Well, I tried to I tried to pick a uh, a hypothetical that mm -hmm. I thought was very unlikely, just as an example. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he would do in in that situation. Mm -hmm. It it wouldn't be a good choice. Now, I don't think they'll do it because uh, they really they're on the wall issue they're dug in and i and i don't think they would even use it for that but it, it's more likely to happen on a spending bill i think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and then the you know if it's something like well it's a clean water bill and then they put something horrible in there that you uh can't thomas massey can't vote for then the headline is thomas massey doesn't want clean water oh. right yeah imagine they put it on a bill for veterans yeah oh, oh man uh, which they want to do <laughs> i mean yeah it's this terrible. is this is how the sausage is made, uh, and you know I'm I'm not an expert in everything, but I've been on the, behind enemy lines here for six years in Congress, and I've seen a lot of sausage made, and so I I can unfortunately imagine the ways they're going to try and and push this stuff through. Well, and you are part of uh, a little mini series, a little mini documentary called The Swamp, and you are constantly pulling the curtain back and showing us, you know, these kinds of little tidbits that you uh, are telling us here in that documentary. And it's done quite well. It's There's a lot of humor. Um, <laughs> and it, you and a, a few of your colleagues there that are willing to tell us the truth, um, it's definitely worth watching. I encourage everybody to look that up. But um, how does that go over in the, the lunchroom? You know, with some of the Ooh, others. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. Um, I got booed a few weeks ago on the floor of the House for requesting a recorded vote. Mm. Um, one of the dirty little secrets here is that a lot of stuff goes on voice vote. Mm. When they when they renewed a few years ago, the um, they call it the plastic gun ban or whatever. It's it, 
whatever it is, they did that on a voice vote. And I've watched them do that enough times here that la uh, the week before the end of the last Congress, I sat on the floor from daylight until 1.30 a.m. and demanded a recorded vote on everything they tried to sneak through. Nice. And uh, we ended up having 54 votes in 36 hours, I think, I forced. <laughs> wow. Uh, and in the, in the beginning, nobody was on the floor. You know, a lot of times they do this with three or four people in an empty chamber. Mm. And uh, toward the end, they were there. And so they uh, they actually booed me when I requested a recorded vote. Now, mind you, it only it's not the Senate where they have to call everybody's name. We can do a recorded vote in two minutes. Mm -hmm. We have electronic cards that we put in the machines on the floor and then press yay or nay, mm -hmm. and it identifies which congressman has voted. Because technology. It only takes two minutes to record a vote, <laughs> and they got yeah. mad at me for, for doing that. Ah, because you pulled that curtain back, and they don't like That's that. Right. Well, congratulations on the boo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, man. thank you. I put it on. I put that on Facebook, and it's got uh, you know like three hundred thousand views. I think the video. Mm -hmm. And it's a quickie. It's just real fast, yeah. and you can hear them all go boo, boo, hiss, boo, but, groan, and boo. Um, but it, we we do have to wrap up. We've got to bring you back on again really soon because, as you said, um, Second Amendment issues and what's going on behind those curtains in the swamp are really really going to be forefront in the next couple of years um moving forward but i have to be sure as we're talking about this swamp documentary and in, in the video you put up i have to make everybody familiar with the hashtag and you have to follow this if you can hear the sound of my voice you follow this hashtag it's sassy with massey and massey is m-a-s-s-i-e that i love the little things that you uh throw out there with that hashtag You've got to have some humor in this place or you would go crazy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I try to, to always be polite to my colleagues, like yes, I didn't name my colleague there. Yes, you uh, are. But I, there's no, nothing in the House rules that says you can't be sassy. <laughs> so I have a hashtag sassy with Massey. Uh, occasionally, if I post something about guns, I'll go brassy with Massey. Oh, I haven't uh. seen that one. I'll look that up. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my gosh. Well, we've got to run. But just before we do, how do people, how do we follow you other than that hashtag? How do we support what you're trying to do with the caucus? How do we help elect other people like you so you're not such a lone voice out there? Well, if you will follow Rep. Thomas Massey on Twitter. I know it's a dumpster fire, but um, <laughs> it's worth following sometimes. Uh, oh, if you're man. on Facebook, it's also uh, Rep. Thomas Massey or Congressman Thomas Massey. Also, please, 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 when something comes up, when you see something on Facebook or Twitter that I al alert you to, call your congressman. Mm -hmm. Don't write him a letter. It takes so long to get here. Don't send an email. There's bots that can send emails. Mm. But a bot can't call their congressman. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you really need to do. Don't call somebody else's congressman. They're not going to mm -hmm. care what you say. Mm -hmm. But, if, you know, uh, until they feel the heat, they're not going to see the light. So like that's that. my advice to your listeners. And, you know, I'll just say it's not like you're going to spend an hour on hold or going through phone trees. You're, you make a quick phone call, you say a quick message, and you're off the phone. Isn't that That's generally right. how it and goes? That's right. And be polite. Yes, uh, be polite. Uh, even if you've got, uh, you know, a member of Congress that you're not fond of, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the staff that you're talking to, mm -hmm. they're not paid uh, what they 
<laughs> deserve, you know, mm-hmm. for the treatment they get. So be polite. You'll, you'll, you know, you will get more done uh, being polite than rude mm-hmm. and um, be informed. Mm-hmm. And like you said, be brief. Yes. They don't, uh, you can, here in the house, you get more applause with a short speech than you do a long one. Mm-hmm. And I would say you'll get listened to more often if you if you make your comments concise yes. in, when you call your congressman. But do call them. You've got one representative and two senators. You only need to make three phone calls. Don't make don't call somebody else's senator. Don't call somebody else's rep. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Uh, thank you for spending the time on here with us today. And uh, we will definitely be watching that sassy with Massey hashtag. And we will definitely have you back on again soon. Thanks, Cheryl. And I, I hope to see you and your husband in D.C. again soon. Absolutely. June, I think, this year. We'll, we'll get it lined up. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you. All right. Well, stick around, because on the other side of these messages, we have Andrew Pollack. Now, Andrew is the dad of Meadow Pollack, who was one of the high school students murdered in the massacre in Florida last year. Um, He's going to talk to us about what's going on with his mission to fix it right after this. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. 
Well, if you've missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. All of the episodes we have posted there. And when you want to put a face with a voice, click the guest tab. You'll find photos and bios and links to all of the work of all of the guests that we've ever had on. We appreciate your time and we believe that that's time well spent. And when you spend your time there, we do not hate that. All right. Well, we are honored. That's really the only word I can come up with, but honored to be able to speak with our next guest, Andrew Pollack. Andrew and his family's lives were forever changed when Andrew's beautiful 18-year-old daughter, Meadow, was murdered in the massacre at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on February 14th in 2018. Since that time, Andrew has been advocating for a national change in the mindset when it comes to school security. And his plea to fix it was heard around the world initially at a White House town hall and since that time in the news, on the radio, and in print. And Andrew is here to talk with us today about the recent news concerning his mission. And you can follow this hashtag, hashtag fix it. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Oh, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Uh, First of all, I, I just want to tell you, we are heartbroken for you and your family's loss. And you have been an amazing example, though, of strength in the face of something that I personally cannot even fathom having gone through. And we not only grieve with you, but deeply appreciate and respect you and your family. I mean, so wow. often it's it's there by the grace of God that your story is any family story, but the work that you've been doing to fix it, it looks like uh, you, maybe you're giving God some help in protecting Americans and their children. And I, I just want to have you talk to us about some important recent developments, and namely that Federal School Safety Commission report. Yeah, there's, there's so much. Uh, I just was getting a call in at the same time. I'm trying to, <laughs> That's okay. So I, I'm trying to put my block on my phone so I don't get any interruptions. Okay. Uh, yeah, so much has gone on over the last 10 months that the media, we really don't get it, that much attention. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we're not out looking to ban guns and grab guns, mm-hmm. uh, the media really doesn't focus on mm-hmm. actually what what I'm actually accomplishing in the country. And, and even the president doesn't get any credit. Uh, we, we did so much for uh, education over the last nine months and, and the recommendations. None of them, the, the media really didn't cover it. And it's so important. It's going to affect the quality of education for so many students and teachers throughout the country. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm talking about is an end to those Obama-era leniency policies mm-hmm. that the government uh, pushed on school districts throughout the country. Uh, the president rescinded it uh, just recently, and that meant so much to me because I know that played a big part in my daughter getting uh, murdered on February 14th. That policy creates a culture of leniency in the school districts of not reporting crimes by students and underreporting and not holding kids accountable. Mm-hmm. And kids, just like adults, they need accountability mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. And the president put, put a, he, he put an end to that. And now it's up to parents to look into it to see if, where their kids are going to school, if, that's, if their school district participates in programs like that. 
That is so important what you just said because kids do need to know where the the boundaries are. That is so vital to our, our development as human beings. But I don't know that these schools that are participating in these leniency programs are doing it out of the the goodness, this misguided goodness of their heart to, you know, uh, protect kids or, or be soft on kids. I think often it has to do with they don't want on their records that they've got, uh, you know, police reports or or bad incidents. And, and really, it's a covering their butt kind of maneuver. Am I am I off base with that? You're, you're on. You're on it. You got it. Exactly. So when it. Well, you see, what they did was they put policing in the hands of the administrators at the schools, mm. and they took it away from the police at the schools. So administrators, principals, and superintendents benefit from having no records mm. at the school of kids committing crimes. So in actuality, their stats look better because what happened in Broward, the superintendent, he, go, he gets on and says, wow, since I'm the superintendent, Crime has dropped 66% in our district. <laughs> That's what he claims of his success rate. Uh, and bureaucrats want it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it doesn't, it actually hurts children, uh, these type of leniency policies, because it doesn't show them a responsibility mm-hmm. or accountability. So the, in actuality, they want to they wanted to end the school-to-prison pipeline. That's what it was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, superintendent uh, in Broward came from, Chicago, mm-hmm. and he brought these diversionary programs. Broward was the uh, <clears throat> was the first county actually to have it, and he said we're going to put an end to this school to prison pipeline. Too many at risk youth kids are getting arrested, and we think that's uh, that's racial bias going on. That the mm-hmm. police are the police aren't doing their job, and they're picking out these at risk youth. Mm-hmm. So they stop arresting them. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the teachers stop reporting any of them for committing crimes, mm-hmm. and it just creates an unsafe environment mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole school district. And it started in Broward. Okay, so mm-hmm. they underreport. They don't report these kids. And then what happens is, my beautiful daughter had to suffer and go to school with kids like this sociopath mm-hmm. who ended up going to the school and ended up killing her. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I'm. I'm all over it, and I'm, I exposed it uh, for what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's easy for someone, you know, I know we got a bunch of gun listeners out there, mm-hmm. and I want to tell them why I took such a hard stance on, on what happened was I looked at the facts, mm-hmm. and I looked at what happened in Broward, and nowhere any of my investigation did the NRA or the gun Right. have anything to do with it. Thank you. And, thank and you. It's thank easy. you. Amen. And it's so easy for a bureaucrat or a, um, or a liberal to be able to blame the guns. Yeah. Okay, it's easy. I don't. You don't have to do an investigation. Yeah. Hey, it's the NRA, it's the guns. Yeah. And if it was, I'd be telling you, yep, the NRA had something to do with it. The gun, we should ban the guns. Yeah. But after doing nine months of an investigation and looking into how many red flags that this kid gave off and how many people dropped the ball, uh, they had nothing to do with it. It's these lean, Obama-era leniency policies, mm-hmm. incompetence in the school board mm-hmm. and the sheriff's department, and, and, and those are the facts. And that's why uh, I like to educate parents and get on the radio and explain to them what happened because it happened to me and it could happen to anyone else in the country Mm-hmm. Uh, where the, you know where these type of policies are in are uh, implemented, 
where they don't report, and you got a kid like this sociopath who never should have been in the school with my daughter, uh, and they let him in the school. Andrew, this is Dan. I Thanks for being on the show. I just can't imagine a teacher that would see a student that is violent and not report that student. Yep. How, Dan, how, it got so bad. Let me just, one little, they, they didn't let him go to the school with the backpack. That's how bad it was. But he was allowed to come to the school. Uh, he was allowed to attend the school, but they wouldn't let him attend with a backpack. <laughs> how asinine is that? Yeah, because you can't hide things uh, to hurt other people in yeah, your pants like, like pocket. You can't, or... Yeah, you can't put a knife <laughs> in you. You know, he was bringing bullets to school. You bring bullets to school, it's a felony. He was bringing knives to school. He was threatening people's lives. That's... Never arrested. And, you know, so, you know, like, yep. The bureaucrats playing with the numbers. You know, they. how do you say with a straight face, hey, crime has dropped significantly under my watch, when you know for a fact that you're just not even writing the, the incidents down or reporting the incidents. It's like for, with a straight face that is happening. Um, and if yep. it's happening and in Broward, it's happening in other places. And the sheriff, he signs on to it. He's been in the national news, Sheriff Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, I think they're going to be removing him any day now. Mm-hmm. So the sheriff signs on to it. because then he, he could say, look, since I'm the sheriff, my crime rates dropped 35%. Oh, right, same game. Same yeah, game. they sign on to it also. And it's such a red flag, and it's such a terrible uh, policy what they do to these kids. because So they give them these multiple chances when they're minors, okay? And then all of a sudden, uh, never being introduced to the judicial system at an early age, mm-hmm. they get out of high school. Now they're adults, and they're committing crimes. And now they're, doing, now they're getting felonies. Right. They're like, so oh, wait, it, it, I'm being held accountable? When, right. when did oh, this wow. happen? Yeah. yeah, how come there's no diversionary program for me now? Can I get some type of in-house suspension at my house? But mm. it doesn't work that way. So they don't, the, this liberal mentality, they have it backwards. It's mm-hmm. reversed. Mm-hmm. Kids need accountability at an early age to keep them out of the system for the rest of their lives. Andrew, I'm not a person that likes to sue people, but how come there hasn't been any lawsuit against these uh, administrators for this? I'm working on it. Uh, Right now I have a wrongful death case going against the deputy uh, that didn't go in. Mm -hmm. Uh, He hid. I don't know if you know, there was one deputy, the SRO, Peterson. He actually uh, went to the door at the school. Uh, He was driven right to the doors of the building, heard the shots through the doorway, right? Mm -hmm. He hears the shots that killed one of the coaches, Aaron Feiss, and then he retreats to where he hid uh, by one of the cement pillars for almost 45 minutes. Oh, right. Why this gosh. guy was in the building. 45 my daughter, minutes. 45 minutes. Even when other officers showed up to respond, he wouldn't leave his spot at, at this one wall. Oh, so he was there. He had ample enough time. All he you know, had to do was maybe yell at this at this murderer, and he probably would have just dropped it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's stats that say most of the yes. time they... They don't fight, or they just drop, or yes. they kill themselves. Or they kill themselves. So, but instead, he runs so off daughter, and has a yeah. soda, right? Yeah, my daughter's on the third floor, uh, begging for her life. She she covered actually the, a freshman mm. after she was shot, and she was in. Then the teachers locked my daughter out, so she's in the hallway. Oh my gosh. And uh, my daughter gets uh, covers a freshman, Kara, and this the murderer walks down the hallway and shoots my daughter another five times. 
Mm. And the bullets went through my daughter and, and killed the freshman, too. But all this time, the guy was hiding behind the wall. Mm. You know, the, that, guy, the guy was so a coward, scary. obviously, um, but it just seems to me that if, if the administrators are, that's their job to keep the kids safe, and they deliberately hid information that might have made you take your kids to another school because this school's not safe. I would have never, if I knew these policies, they let this kid go to school with swastikas on his, on his uh, clothing and the N-word on his yeah. backpack. Oh my uh, he, uh, in middle school, but don't have an NRA symbol. Him, yeah, right. If he had the NRA symbol, he would have got suspended, probably. Yeah. But uh, a swastik is okay in Broward County. So he was able to walk through uh, school with swastikas, the N word, calling people the N word, and uh, no, never arrested. So if, if kids are never arrested or, or for felonies they commit, they'll never have a background. Right. So you get a bureaucrat like Nancy Pelosi, mm -hmm. who comes to Coral Springs Parkland where the shooting was, mm -hmm. and she wants to talk about background checks, mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi, mm -hmm. but she doesn't look into these policies where, look, these liberal policies, we're not arresting the kids where they could have a, where they could have a background. Right. So what good are background checks if they, if they don't arrest them? Yes, again, thank you, because, you know, when we say it, we're in the firearms industry, we own a, a gun store, when we say it, it seems self-serving and, and people are suspect. When someone like you says it, it's like, oh, wait, is that really true? <laughs> you know, the background check oh, isn't true. really working? It's really yeah, broken? It doesn't work. So, if they don't enforce it, there's no background, right? Exactly. Well, so well, the... The Federal School Safety Commission report, I, as you were saying, you know, it found a lot of things, but what it absolutely didn't find was anything pointing to the NRA. Bless their hearts. They, they were so uh, done wrong well, uh, through that entire yep. town hall meeting and all of that stuff. But, um, but Dana, Dana hit it on the head right off the bat. She did. She knew it was those policies. Yes. And the sheriff was a failure. Yes. And you know what? Uh, NRA TV, they, they continue to expose the failures, mm -hmm. and I'll continue going on any uh, channel mm -hmm. with, to expose people on the failures and to educate parents to look, see what to look for uh, so it doesn't happen to them. Absolutely. You know, there's choices for parents where, you know, you don't have to send your kid to public school. You have virtual schools now that are great. Yep. You got charter schools. Yep. In Florida, they have uh, voucher programs also that subsidized tuition to private schools. Yeah. So I, I, I was just appointed on the Department of Education by the governor. Yes. And I'm going to look to expand that um, so families have options. You know, just because of the zip code you live in, you shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be mandatory that you go to that school in your zip code. We want better choices for parents no matter where they live. And if charter schools don't participate in those programs, then maybe that's a better fit for your child. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, why not have the choice to do the very best? We get one life, right? And our kids get one oh my God. life. Let's give them the best opportunity we possibly can. Yep. And don't you don't want to live with it like any of these parents out there that I got to live with it, that I mm. let my daughter go to that public school. Mm. And I, you know, I just didn't know. Like, you know, you, know. Send, you live in a nice suburb. Yes. You think, you, you know, the school's uh, is a good quality school. Right. But in actuality, you got bureaucrats that run these schools that don't have the same. They're not wired the same as we are. Mm -mm. You know, they're OK with 
you know, not holding a, a kids accountable or uh, even even the teachers, you know, no accountability. Right. But you know what? I want to touch on another thing since I'm on a gun show. Yeah, please. Uh, one of the recommendations uh, in both uh, commissions, you know, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas had a commission in Florida mm-hmm. and also the, the president's commission was that trained personnel at the schools would make a big difference uh, in protecting our kids yes. and our teachers at the schools. And I truly believe in it. Yes. I participated in that Guardian program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't in it, but I just watched it implemented uh, and, and the training all summer long up in Polk County. And it makes such a difference Absolutely. Uh, for these teachers uh, to go and get trained. It's a 140-hour course. They go through extensive training, psychologicals, gun retention, all types of training. So any Anybody that works at a school in Florida that could pass that test and go through the through that academy is, is very well prepared for any type of active shooter that would come into school. Absolutely. I think that's a brilliant um, idea, and I, I love that you brought that up. Well, we are just about out of time, and I just want to okay. be sure that uh, I mentioned that you have a nonprofit your nonprofit is yes. Americans for Children's Lives and School Safety. Spells out class. Talk to us just briefly about that, and then we have to run. Uh, Americansforclass.org is uh, my non-for-profit, and I use it mostly. I really want to educate parents because people, you know, you send your kids to school, most of us, and we think they're safe and just things to look for. And if anyone could follow me on Twitter, Andrew Pollock FL. Uh, and that's on Twitter and on Facebook. It's Andrew Pollock, Parkland Parent. I'm constantly posting educational stuff for parents to, to what to look for in their, in their child's school. Andrew, I just want to thank you. The work you're doing is going to make it safer for my grandkids, and I really appreciate what you're doing. Oh, no problem. I'm going to keep at it and keep exposing these failures in Broward and, and trying to make these kids safer and teachers in all the schools in the country. I love it. Thank you so much, and God bless you and your family. I hope we get to talk to you soon and and kind of find out where things have moved in the next few months. Sure, anytime. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. All right. Holy cow. What What a great example of I'm just one person, and I will change things. Right? I love it. Hashtag fix it. Follow that. All right, stick around. We still have another full hour of gun freedom radio. We'll be talking to Jenna Meek, Mark Mac Young, and oh my gosh, I just lost his name. Ken Scott. <laughs> stick around. <laughs> 